You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. It's late. It feels late to me because, you know, coming here for, to do two services, I would be here at 7.30. And uh, when I woke up this morning, I'm like, oh, I can sleep in. But I couldn't because my mind was just rolling. Uh, but it's good to be here, everyone. Um, we're, we started this series called Joyride, and I guess the reason we called it Joyride was um, we're, we're going to be riding this wave of joy that, that we see in the book of Philippians. It's a recurring motif, a thread that, that, that links a bunch of themes together in the book of Philippians, with the central theme of Philippians being Jesus Christ. So, when we read Philippians, and I encourage you just um, during your time with Jesus this week, you can spend about half an hour uh, and finish the letter uh, that's called Philippians. And as you read that, just, just notice how the Apostle Paul has intricately woven this theme, this motif of joy and the gospel and Jesus Christ into this letter. It's so positive. It's so uplifting. Um, and, and it's good for us because how many of us struggle sometimes with having joy? Anyone here today might be struggling with joy. I mean, just watch the news lately, right? And uh, I don't know about you, but my joy tank just keeps leaking every time I see all of this bad news, the tragedies that are happening around the world, the, the devastation, the, the mass murder, Right? Um, you, see, you see Puerto Rico and all these folks trying to find clean water and electricity, and, and you just feel bad for them. You feel so sad. And you see these neighborhoods in Northern California, they're ravaged by fire, and it looks like a, the hol- it looks like a nuclear war hit that area, right? And speaking of nuclear war, you got this North Korea that's, that's just threatening uh, to start this war. And, and we have all this bad news, and we're like, man, I wish there was some good news. I wish that, that, that God would just make things right and that we could experience some joy. Because not only is there bad news out in the world, like some of you have bad news in your own life. Some of us are going through difficult times, and we spent eight weeks or so uh, the, the past month talking about how to, to grieve and how to lament and how to um, release our burdens to the Lord, but we're tired. We want the Lord to just renew our joy in the midst of all this chaos. We want a glimpse of his goodness, amen? And so we read in Philippians about this apostle Paul, and he uh, is writing from prison. He's writing from jail. He was unjustly arrested and incarcerated. And he writes these words in Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. How? How can we have an attitude of joy like Paul? Because in the midst of hopelessness and helplessness, in the midst of uncertainty, not knowing whether he's going to be set free or whether he's going to be executed. Paul instructs the church, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Tell someone next to you, rejoice in the Lord. But we read that, and and when I read that sometimes, I'm like, Paul, are you crazy? 
Are you delusional? Are you uh, in denial? Right? Some of you in EHS are like learning some of this. We should be expressing our sadness and our lament. But Paul, he is expressing joy. And he's, um, he's writing this letter to encourage the church in Philippi that no matter what obstacles and trials have come his way, and no matter what opposition and persecution may be coming their way, he writes to them and says, rejoice. There is nothing that can happen to us that can hinder the gospel of Jesus Christ from going forward. Nothing can stop the gospel of Jesus Christ from going forward. Therefore, I will rejoice in the Lord always. And it's a radical perspective on joy. And so if we turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, we're going to spend some time here in the introduction to his letter. I know Pastor Ken skimmed through this last week. If you weren't here, it's online. You can listen to his message. It's uh, the end of Philippians 1. But we're, we're just going to focus on the beginning of Philippians 1 today. So if you would just read this with me. Let's see if this works. Turn it off. Philippians 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me, and God can testify how long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Jesus, we rejoice in you. Thank you for the joy that we can share as we fellowship together, as we partner together with one another in the gospel. Your grace is the reason we gather today. All of us here share in the salvation that you have given us by your grace. And we share in the task of extending your grace to others. Lord, the world needs you. This world needs to hear the good news. This world needs to experience your grace and peace. This world needs to experience your joy like we experience. Lord, renew in us the joy of gospel fellowship. Help us to partner with one another so that we could spread the good news of Jesus Christ to this world. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So again, Paul has a radical attitude on joy. In spite of his present circumstances, his joy is in the Lord. It's not dependent on what's going on around him. In fact, in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. 
Paul's life mission was to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and carry it to the whole world. And he is in prison. How is he going to spread the gospel? But actually he says, you know what, in prison, I'm able to share the gospel with the prison guards. And they share it with their families. And even though he himself is in chains, the gospel is not restrained. And so when we read this book of Philippians, it's evident that Paul has at the center of everything the all-consuming passion of Christ and his gospel. Here in, in chapter 1 alone, Paul mentions Jesus Christ 18 times. He mentions the gospel six times. And, and he famously says in, in, in verse 21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now we ask, Paul, are you just being fatalistic here? Are you, are you resigned to the notion that whatever happens, it's all for God's, it's all God's will? I'll accept whatever's coming to me. No, he, he's really grounded in the fact that his happiness is in Christ Jesus. No matter what happens to him, whether he lives or dies, he's going to experience joy. If he lives, he's going to have joy because he's going to be set free and he's going to have a chance to spread the gospel even further. If he dies, oh, what joy awaits for him when he is in the presence of his Savior, Jesus Christ. What a perspective, to, perspective that he can have and for us to, 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 to aspire to have, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But listen, Paul is not just saying this because he's the only one that is involved in spreading the gospel. Paul is joyful because he's not alone in this mission. And so we're going to be talking and highlighting today this phrase called the joy of gospel partnership or the joy of gospel fellowship. Say fellowship. fellowship. In Philippians 1, 4 to 5, he says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership or fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The Greek word there is koinonia. Say koinonia. I love that word. And it's translated simply fellowship or partnership. And when we think of this word fellowship, we think of the word sharing. Uh, but sometimes we've um, kind of uh, made this word into just sharing food, which is great. Filipinos, like we new lifers, we love to share and fellowship around food, right? Uh, sometimes we're thinking of the budgets for the next year and... We're like, should we just cut the budget on feeding people? Like, no food ever when you, get, when you come to church. And we thought to ourselves, I think a lot of people would leave the church because there's no food to fellowship around. And not you guys. You guys wouldn't do that, right? But I know that some people really value uh, just being uh, eating together, sharing a meal together. And that has something to do with fellowship, but it's not everything to do with fellowship. You can't just have a pizza party and say, man, we had good fellowship together, right? You can't just invite someone to your house and say, let's have coffee and pandasal, and that's your fellowship. The fellowship uh, that Paul's talking about has a deeper sense, a deeper meaning. And so when we 
You guys hear me? Yeah? Okay. And so when we come together, am I on? When we come together and we get together over sports, let's say, and Nico's back there with his Dodger hat on, and I know a bunch of people were fellowshipping around the Dodger game and watching it and watching them win, right? But that's not, yeah, but that's not true fellowship in the Christian sense. For Paul, the, the meaning of fellowship is more than just enjoying one another's company. It's more than just hanging out in this room that we call the fellowship hall, right? It, it's, it's the context of sharing something that is so deep in our community, something that we share together. And so what is this fellowship in the gospel? The first, there's two ways we want to look at this. And the first way is, I think the most common way we think about it is that we share in the benefits of the gospel. We share in the benefits of the gospel. What are the benefits of the gospel? What do we get when we receive the good news of Jesus Christ and put our trust in him? We receive an eternal inheritance. We receive eternal life in Christ. We receive salvation by grace through faith. We receive this peace that passes all understanding, this shalom that, that, that makes us whole, that, that, that transforms our well-being, that, that brings us from the realm of darkness into light. These are the benefits that we enjoy as believers in Jesus when we trust in him. And if you do not trust in Jesus, you cannot experience the benefits of the gospel. And so when Paul says, and when we read this, uh, in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We often think of this uh, verse in terms of our own personal salvation, our own experience. We read it as a statement that, that, that Christ is going to complete the work of salvation that he began in us. And, and we, 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 we call this term sanctification. Uh, let me explain a few theological terms, if, you're, if you'll allow me to. When, when we get saved, when you get saved, when you got saved in the past, it was justification. You were saved from the penalty of sin. As the Holy Spirit works in our lives day by day, as he continues this process of transforming us into the image of Christ, we are being saved day by day from the power of sin. So we were saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved by the power of sin. That's called sanctification. And in the future, when Jesus Christ returns in all his glory, we will be saved from the presence of sin. He'll put an end to all evil. And so we read this statement and we realize, at one point I gave my life to Jesus. I was justified. I was saved from the penalty of sin, and day by day, he will continue to work out my salvation. He will continue to sanctify me and cleanse me and, and, and make me into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's good, amen? There's joy in knowing that, amen? amen. We come to church uh, New Life has two campuses here at Harbor City and 21.3 miles away. You drive down the freeway, you're in Norwalk, 
and we have about 500 people that come to church on Sunday, Sunday midday. And as these 500 people congregate, there is joy that fills the rooms. There's joy that fills two locations. And all, all the places where God's people are meeting, joy starts filling these places. People, the, the locations come alive. And it's because when we get together, we share in the common experience of salvation. We share in the experience that God has given us grace. We're not coming here to enjoy a, a sporting event. We're not coming here to enjoy a concert. We're not coming here to enjoy a game show or anything that would give us pleasure in, the, in, in that sense of the word. But we're coming here to enjoy the presence and pleasure of God. To, to bask in his lavish love and his overwhelming mercy and his generous grace on our lives. And, and we come together and we share that with each other. We fellowship in the gospel because the gospel has done something for our lives. Amen? Amen. But there's more. There's more than just our own salvation and the salvation we share with one another. There's more than that that's, that's at stake here. It's more than just coming together and celebrating and worshiping together. Because outside of this place, there is a world out there that needs Jesus. There's a world out there that needs Jesus. They need the gospel. And you and I can experience the fellowship, the partnership in the gospel by looking at it in, in a way that, that leaks out from this church, that, that goes out from the four walls of this church. And I think Paul has this sense in mind when he's writing to the Philippian church. You see, it's not only that we share in the benefits of the gospel, but the fellowship in the gospel, the partnership in the gospel means that we share together in the advancement of the gospel. When we partner together, when we invest in the gospel cause with our time, treasure, and talent, the joy of gospel fellowship is multiplied over and over and over again as more and more people come into saving relationship with Jesus. The joy overflows when more and more people come to Christ. And that's what church should be all about, amen? We're a bunch of sinners saved by grace. Yeah, we're incredibly thankful. We're incredibly joyful for what God has done in our lives. We get to be a part of God's family. We get to worship together. We get to pray together. We get to be equipped together. But it doesn't end with us. It has to be taken outside. So when you ask yourself, where is my joy? What is my joy centered on? Is it centered on Jesus Christ? I hope so. But then is that joy, do I carry that with me when I fellowship in the church? When we come together, when we talk to one another, when we spend time witnessing and telling and testifying to God's goodness in our lives with believers, do we carry that joy? And then do we carry that joy outside of the church? When we're all alone and we're the only Christian there at our office, do we carry the joy of the Lord to those who do not know Jesus? Now, some of you are just naturally joyful people. Point to someone in this room that is a naturally joyful person. There, back there, I see some. Yeah? 
point to yourself. You're an actually joyful person. Thank God for you guys. We need you here. Amen? Amen. Because some of us have to muster up an attitude of joy, right? But some of you, that gift is just flowing. That fruit of the spirit of joy is just flowing naturally through you. Um, it's amazing that you're, you, you just, you're just so contagious, right? Uh, so turn to someone and ask them, are you contagious? Uh, do you have contagious joy? That's what we want to be contagious around here, amen? All right. And some of you are, and those are awesome new life qualities that we want to have here, right? Because your joy can infect the rest of us here. There's a, a funny line, a saying that says, some cause happiness wherever they go. Others cause happiness whenever they go. <laughs> so which one are you? Do you guys get that? Some cause happiness wherever they go. Oh, I'm happy you're here. And some cause happiness whenever they go. I'm so happy because they're gone. <laughs> Which one are you? Which, what, what kind of church are we? Is that the church that we have? You know, we have these people that preach on the street corners, and they try to shove Jesus down your throat. They say, Go, you're, you're going to hell if you don't repent, right? Believe in Jesus or else the end is near. Damnation, hellfire, brimstone, right? There's no joy when you preach that way, when you, when, when you share the gospel that way. And that's not what we're all about, right? When we go and say, this is what Jesus did in my life, that's the joy that comes from knowing Christ Jesus your Lord and, and the joy that, that other people need to hear and, 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 and experience in their lives. It has to overflow outside of these walls, right? And that's why Paul is writing to this church in Philippi because they are an amazing example of joy in fellowship in the gospel. I'm going to do a little brief history lesson for you, okay? Um, really brief. Uh, if you have your own Bibles and you're in Philippians, write Acts 15 above the title of Philippians so that whenever you read Philippians, you need to read Acts 16. Did I say 15? 16. It's 16. Acts 16. And that will give us backstory as to how the church in Philippi came about. We don't have time to go through that whole story. But Paul is writing this letter, remember, from a Roman prison. And it has this affectionate and joyful tone. There's a cheery tone when he says, um, I remember you in my prayers, I pray with joy. And then he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you. Notice what's missing from this introduction to his letter. Many of, all, many of Paul's other letters include the phrase, Paul, an apostle. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. But here in this letter, because of the relationship that he has with this church, 
He doesn't need to remind them that he's an apostle. He treats them as equals. He, in a sense, breaks down this barrier between pulpit and pew. He, he breaks down this artificial barrier between church leaders and the rest, churchgoers. There is no difference now. We're in partnership together. He calls them saints. He calls them holy people, along with overseers and deacons, so that there's a mutual relationship. There's no hierarchy. There's no, oh, I don't have to serve in ministry because I'm not an appointed pastor or evangelist or apostle or prophet or teacher. I'm not an elder. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I don't need to participate in ministry. No, they're not spectators. They're not consumers. They are participants in the gospel. And Paul tells them in the end of Philippians, uh, in Philippians 4, he says, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And so Paul is thanking God for the contribution of the Philippian church to his ministry. Now, the church was a key contributor to Paul's mission, a key partner with him because they gave him financial aid. And that's why this church was Paul's favorite, not just because of the money, but because they had invested in the cause of the gospel. And so we, when we read of their story in Acts 16, we'll see that the gospel came to them in such a powerful way that changed the society in that town. This was the first time when the gospel reached Europe. Macedonia, Philippi is, is, is a colony of Rome in the region of Macedonia. And if you look at a map, uh, think Greece. Okay, So it's near Greece, in Greece. And Paul was on his missionary journey visiting the churches in Asia Minor, that's in Turkey, and he has this vision of God that says, hey, you got to go cross the sea and go to Macedonia. And he obeys, and he does, and he goes to Macedonia, and he plants churches in Philippi, in Ephesus, in Corinth. And these churches in, are the first churches that spring up in Europe. And the gospel is going to launch from Europe now to the rest of the world because Paul goes into Europe. And, and when Paul is in this colony called Philippi, they encounter this woman named Lydia. And Lydia becomes the first convert to Christianity in that city. And Lydia and her household becomes one of the first house churches. And then Paul encounters this female fortune teller, and he casts demons out of her, and so she no longer has these powers. And what happened when her employer uh, noticed that, that she had no more powers, he got angry, and he got Paul and Silas arrested. 
And so Paul and Silas were beaten, arrested, and thrown in jail. And in the middle of that jail, they were singing hymns and praise and and songs to the Lord. They were worshiping in jail. And God shakes that place up. And the, the, the jail cells open. And the jailer is there thinking, I'm going to die because now you are going to escape. But Paul tells him, no, you can believe in Jesus and be saved. And the jailer asks him, what do I have to do to be saved? He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so this Roman jailer gets saved and his household gets saved and people get saved in the city of Philippi, and the church begins there. And it's this church in Philippi, as soon as they received the grace of God, as soon as they realized how gracious God was, as soon as they received their salvation, they decided it was joyful, right for them to partner with Paul in the work of the gospel. Paul planted all these other churches, but not one of them gave to the gospel cause except for this church in Philippi. The church in Corinth was wealthy, but they were messed up. You read through Corinthians, you see how many dysfunctions they had. And so he tells this church in Corinth He makes an example of the church in in Philippi, in Macedonia. He says, he brags about them. He says in 2 Corinthians, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. That's Philippi, that's Thessalonica. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Listen, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Sharing in this service. There's koinonia right there. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also. To us. These Philippian believers were in the midst of a severe trial. They could have had an excuse, but that didn't stop them from partnering with Paul, from fellowshipping with Paul in the gospel. They had overflowing joy. They urgently pleaded for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord. That's true koinonia, my friends. That's true fellowship in the gospel. Because when these believers experience the generous grace of God, their ultimate reaction, their immediate reaction is, I need to be generous. I need to generously share the grace of God with other people. And how am I going to do that if I'm poor, if I'm not wealthy, if I'm going through severe trials? I'm just going to give. I'm going to help. I'm going to support Paul and and the gospel cause. I'm going to overflow with joy when I do it. And so even in their poverty, the Philippian church was so eager to invest in the gospel. What about us? 
Are we eager to invest in the gospel? I'm not telling you to just give more money during our offering time. I'm telling you to think about how you are investing in the cause of the gospel. And so when we read in, in Philippians um, 1, we, 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 read the, we read this a little differently now. Because when Paul is thanking God for them, he's saying, I thank God every time I remember you in all my prayers for you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. That partnership in the gospel was when they, in their poverty, supported Paul and said, we're all in. We're all in with the gospel. We want to sow seeds in, your, in this gospel that you're going to spread. And Paul says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you. What is that good work? What is that good work? Is it this the good work of salvation? Maybe that's part of it. But it's also the good work of partnering in the cause of the gospel. And that good work, that investment in the gospel, will, Christ will carry it on to completion until Jesus returns. You guys invest money, right, in, in a savings account or in a certificate of, of deposit. And when you put money in the bank, it gains interest. Every month, a little more gets added, a dividend gets added to your account, right? It's the same thing we see here. These are banking terms that Paul is using. When we invest in the gospel, when we sow a good work, he who began the good work in us will carry it on to completion. He will make it mature. He'll bring it to full maturity when he returns. And you know what? It is still paying dividends today. The gospel partnership that was done back in that day is still paying dividends today. Think about it. How joyful would Paul feel knowing that the gospel of Jesus Christ that he preached in this town of Philippi resulted in a Philippian church. And this church was generous to invest in the gospel, which resulted in other churches being planted which resulted in Paul getting arrested for all of his missionary endeavors. And because he was arrested, he was brought to Rome, and the gospel started to spread from Rome to the rest of the world. And the Bible got written. And pastors and teachers kept on spreading the gospel until you and I are here today sitting at new life, enjoying the fruit of the good work that was started long ago and that continues to go on today, that Christ is continuing to move on from here at new life. Amen? Yes. Pastor Ken is the steward of the work that God has entrusted here at new life. And we as overseers, pastors, and deacons, and you the saints, are partners with us in the gospel of Jesus Christ, going out from new life. 
And that gospel was entrusted to Pastor Ken, and before Pastor Ken, it was Pastor Thel. Before Pastor Thel, it was missionaries that went to the Philippines. And before missionaries in the Philippines, it was a four-square movement. And before that, it was all of these pastors, teachers, Sunday school teachers, parents, friends who were sowing the seed of the gospel. Unnamed Christians who played a vital role in partnering in the gospel cause. And that's the faithfulness that we see in Jesus Christ. That he who began a good work in that Philippian church will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And we get to be a part of that thread. And we can rejoice knowing that we are part of this gospel fellowship. Amen? Amen. So the question I ask of you today is this. Does the grace of God that's been given to you and to me give us an overwhelming joy that causes and compels us to partner and to fellowship in the gospel cause? What are we doing with the gospel? What are we doing with the gospel? Are we keeping it for ourselves? Or is it something that we need to say, I'm going to partner with my friends and family here at New Life, with missionaries like Ariana, with, um, with, with gospel causes and mis- ministries that are out there spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to places in this world that are hurting, that are lost. What are we doing with the grace that God has given to us? Do you want more joy in your life? Yes. Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. So let me conclude by just giving you some practical applications. You can write a few of these things down. But I want you to think about and remember, like Paul is saying, every time I remember you, I remember you with joy in my prayers. Remember those who God has given to you as partners in the gospel. These could be pastors, ministries, missionaries, family members, friends, co-workers who are believers. These are your partners in the gospel. And what is it that you can contribute? Your time, your talent, your treasure. What are you investing in that relationship? Is it serving together? Is it financial support? Is it prayer support? And as you think of these people in your life, few things ought to happen, you should become joyful when you remember them, knowing that your partnership is going to result in the furtherance of the advancement of the gospel. You should become prayerful when you remember them, praying that God will use your partnership to expand the gospel. And you should become thankful, thankful that God has placed you in relationship with other people fellow believers, to share in the grace of God, and to work together for his glory. So think of those folks. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? And let's pray. And I want to take the prayer of Paul in Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to tweak the, the, the words a little bit. I'm not changing scripture. I'm just... Um, mod, I'm just personalizing it for us here at New Life. But if you bow your heads and close your eyes, 
And agree with me in this prayer from Philippians chapter 1. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus here at New Life. Together with the overseers and deacons and pastors. I pray that we will experience the grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, every time I remember all of those here at New Life. I'm joyful because of our partnership in the gospel. And I'm confident of this, that Jesus Christ, the one who began a good work in us, in congregations that have met long ago, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And we get to be a part of that, Lord. And Lord, whether we're in chains, if we're suffering, if we're going through severe trials, or whether we're defending and confirming the gospel, whether we're witnessing and sharing our joy with others, may we all share in the grace of God. And may we love and cherish each other with the affection of Christ Jesus. Lord, our prayer is that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best so that we may be made pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes only through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God we pray these things in the most wonderful amazing matchless name of Christ Jesus our Lord Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.